1: join us go to gigantic.is that's gigantic.is and save your seat for our january cohort your potential is gigantic and we're here to help you reach it go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today
0: welcome to the rocket ship podcast i'm matt goldman
2: and i'm joelle steiniger today we had elliot pepperon um, for the third time he's the author of the uncommon stock series and we focused our conversation around storytelling as the key component for any ceo uh, really really interesting stuff i'm curious what you thought matt
0: yeah he talked about storytelling in the context of public relations uh, pitching to investors crafting a story to show to customers and a big piece of it was authenticity and he also talked about other factors that help your story stand out from other companies and covered why you should be focusing on that stuff at the earliest stages we're so happy to have customer io supporting the show again we use customer io for hookfeed and we absolutely love the power it gives us customer io is a data driven email platform that helps you communicate better with your customers The kicker is that their powerful rules-based targeting enables you to keep your messages human, even as you automate them and scale. Go to customer.io slash Rocketship to start sending emails that convert. Elliot, give us an update. You've been on the show twice before. This is the third time. Um, You've written two books. What are you focused on now?
3: Well... uh (laughs) I'm focused on getting out book three, which which comes out next month, so to to add to to those two and finish out the trilogy. Um, and and outside of uh, my writing, I work with entrepreneurs to build new technology businesses. So uh, those are often early stage, uh, early stage businesses, like seed stage through Series B or C. But sometimes it's even larger, as as we talked about before the show. Um, I was recently down in San Diego, where you guys are based, uh, working with Qualcomm on storytelling.
0: So, uh, you know, a big aspect of the way you're helping these companies is around storytelling and how it can be applied to different parts of running a business. What are this? What are some of the things besides Qualcomm that you've done in the past years around storytelling?
3: Sure. So, you know, I, I think that the the really interesting thing here is is when when most people, including me, you know, think about storytelling, we, we think about it as something you do around a fire, you know, when you go camping, um, maybe something that a salesperson would do uh, when they're trying to pitch a product. Um, but, but we don't really think of it as, as being a big part of our day-to-day lives. And in fact, we're telling stories all the time. Humans actually think in narrative, right? That and that's what that's that's how we process the world around us. And um, although many of us aren't aware of it, whether we're aware of it or not, it really does impact not only our own lives but also how effective our our interactions are with other people. And um, in the entrepreneurship space, uh, you know, the the top one percent of founders. You know that that's the storytelling is the skill that really distinguishes them, um, and you know there's a there's a great quote that I think sort of like summarizes this quite well. It's the author of the Little Prince, <laughs> who was also uh, a pioneering aviator uh, in the early 20th century. And he said, "If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long." for the endless immensity of the sea. And I think that that really is, is in many ways entrepreneurship in a nutshell. Um, you know, again, we, we typically think of storytelling that's pretty far removed from the task of managing a business. When in fact, when you're a founder, storytelling is essentially the core of your job. Like your your day, if you literally think about the logistics of your day, you show up, you're talking to investors to try to raise money for your startup or to just manage the existing investors, perhaps on your board. You're talking to your direct reports and the executives on your management team and trying to keep them inspired and on the same page. And then they have to turn around and do that to their direct reports and the rest of the organization So you have to keep the entire team inspired. You're working with partners who you need to be able to communicate with effectively. And again, really inspire and get them excited about the company. Same with press. Um, And so when you think about it for most founders, uh, storytelling is actually the thing that they do the most, even though they don't think about it that much. Um, And, and I think what's interesting is that if you do take a little bit, you know, like take ten minutes out of your day to to reflect on storytelling as a craft, it can actually dramatically leverage all the rest of those activities.
2: So help us out with some examples, if you can, um, of how um, how you can improve at storytelling, or like maybe even a different way to think about what you do on a day-to-day basis to incorporate more storytelling and more, more vision into it?
3: Sure. So, you know, um, I, I think that there are a couple ways to break this down. Um, if, if we go with like a really concrete example, so I, I, I spent a number of years as an entrepreneur in residence at T2 Venture Capital, which is a, a seed fund based in San Diego, and we would get pitched by entrepreneurs all the time. And, um, and there were some really, really simple things that could have vastly improved the quality of most pitches because normally when entrepreneurs go to pitch investors and by the way, this, this is, doesn't just, you know, this isn't just for investors. The same rule applies to if you're pitching TechCrunch to try to get featured or, you know, any other kind of press or partner, um, when you're talking to someone external to the organization, especially for founders who are also makers or engineers, um, it's very, very typical to talk a lot about the product. So it's like, okay, this is what we built. This is why it's cool, right? Like, it, here are the different features that are amazing. And this is, and like, they're better than anything, right? And, and although that's very accurate, it's you know you can very you know go into deep detail and describe what it is you're building that is not how you get someone else on board particularly an investor because investors don't care about what you're building like they don't care how you know that specific aspect of what you're building is different or why this this feature is special or how much work went into it they care about the impact that it has on the world around you, so they're, they're interested in what problem you're solving, not in the solution itself and and most or yeah I mean like the majority of entrepreneurs, when they're pitching, will pitch a solution and talk about how great that solution is and the The interesting part is that it's not just that you need to talk more about the problem because. That's how people will understand the context for the solution you're building. But also because stories that are about perfection are really boring. Think about the last time you went to a Hollywood movie, right? Like, or any movie or read a book. You know, if if you have seen, like, you would almost think... Because people think about, oh, movies or books that are, you know, fiction, it's sort of for escapism, right? Like you want to, maybe you're bored on the train and you want to put yourself into another world. So you would almost imagine that a good story would be pure wish fulfillment, right? It would be like Matt uh, Matt wins the lottery, uh, buys a private island, uh, you know, goes there, meets a beautiful woman, uh, g- gets gets married. Ha- you know, buys a yacht, and they, you know, they, and then maybe some long descriptions of some delicious meals that they're eating and all the relaxation they're doing. Right? But if you read that, nothing's interesting about that. There's no real human appeal, and that's because, <laughs> for better or for worse, good stories are about misfortune. They're they're about human problems so it it could be external misfortune so it could be like oh my god my house burned down right so that's something way beyond your control um or they could be something internal right maybe you have an internal shift and realize that whatever you've been doing really isn't the thing for you or that you've been mistreating a friend or something like that right those it's
2: like about overcoming something
3: it's about overcoming obstacles And if you're going to tell a good story, you need to focus on the obstacle, not the ending, right? And so if you are building something and that something empowers your users, your customers, or yourself to overcome an obstacle... When you're pitching an investor, when you're pitching press, when you're really talking to more or less anyone, when you're trying to recruit a top new team member, spend a lot of time on why that obstacle is painful, why that problem is important. And then you'll find that you've just created the perfect context for your solution, right? And like, you can probably spend two to three sentences describing your solution at the end of the meeting and then go into questions.
1: Dot .com that's business.att.com This episode is brought to you by Yahoo Finance. Wouldn't it be great if you could see all of your investment and retirement accounts in one place? With Yahoo Finance, you can consolidate your views with multiple accounts into one hub and access the expert analysis you need to tend to your entire portfolio with confidence. Honestly, this has been a lifesaver for me. I've used Yahoo Finance to consolidate all of my various 401k and investment accounts so I can see everything all in one place and it makes it incredibly easy to manage so if you're struggling with that check out yahoo finance for over 25 years yahoo finance has been the brand behind every great investor you can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including your 401k and other investments a comprehensive perspective is what sets apart a great investor and that's how yahoo finance ensures that you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety so go to yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination.
0: then does that only apply to framing the solution, or could that also be used to describe the founder's story?
3: Oh, both, for sure. Um, you know, I think uh, many, many of the best entrepreneurs solve their own problem, right? So, and that's for a very simple reason. If you're I mean, if you're solving your own problem, you already know what it is. You don't have to. You don't have to figure out the details of, of a problem someone else has, right? So, uh, oftentimes those stories will be intertwined, although not always. Um, and and if it's not the pro, it's not your own problem that you're solving, then yeah, you better really, really fundamentally understand the human aspects of why that problem is important to someone else. So not just you know, oh, it, it has this effect. This percentage effect on their bottom line or on their funnel or whatever like not not those quantitative pieces which are obviously important to understand but the the human piece like what keeps them up at night what what drives them crazy what what are they worried about for their next performance review or you know whatever it is and and understanding that story and why it's important to people is is really critical
0: so that's great feedback for pitching transitioning over to something like PR Mm. Uh, you look at a company like Slack, and they have a very well-defined story, and and it's clear that they've played a role in shaping what that story is. Mm-hmm. When you're at an early stage, and you know so much is unknown, how can you know what story to tell and uh, tell it in the right way to the right people?
3: Sure. So that that's a very good question. Obviously, more mature companies have more resources to throw at this as a problem, right? So it's like. That that's true of any of any startup as it grows. I think that for really early stage companies, uh, the 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 tr- what Slack does well, but also what best companies do well, is that they are telling stories that are true to themselves and that are true to the founders, right? So if, if you're literally two founders in a garage, first of all, you may not need to tell your story as often to press because you probably need to build whatever it is you're building along the way, right? But when you are, even though you might pivot down the road, things might change, I think the really critical piece to keep in mind is to just be real. Um, and this is the hardest thing for people to do at the beginning. I know this was hard for me when I when, when I started my first company. Uh, me and my co-founders, we were th- we were very concerned with the uh, with with trying to create the appearance of being a real company, <laughs> right? And I think this is pretty normal. Like if you're working from your couch and and you're talking and then you go to an event and you're talking to someone about what you do you, you know you sort of have this effect of feeling like you know the imposter syndrome right like how how could i like am i really the ceo of a company that you know the the main activity of which is eating ramen um you know it's just it feels it feels weird and so the temptation is to try to build yourself up and sell yourself for more than you really are. So, you know, if, if you if say maybe a, a blogger wants to write a story about you because they think what you're building is cool or, you know, it's very relevant to them for some other reason. Um, you, you know, if you were talking to them, you might feel the desire, because I know I always did, of trying to paint my you know our very modest business in much larger sort of like colors and terms and and tried to almost sound corporate because it seems like sounding corporate would make us more respectable right um and that was absolutely the wrong way to go about it in fact as a writer i found that the absolute opposite the the i found that the stories whether they're blog posts Uh, articles or novels or or anything else, the, the stories that have found most resonance with readers are those that I am most scared to share. So the more vulnerable and open I am in the story itself, the more human and personal that story is, the more they seem to resonate, which Sounds logical right now, like in this conversation, because I've thought about it in retrospect. But at the time when you're about to hit publish or when you're about to, you know, uh, admit something to, you know, to to uh, a journalist that that you feel like might not match the the brand that you hope to one day build. um, You know, those are actually the gold, those golden moments that, that I think really allow people other people who aren't your friends aren't your mom uh to connect with you and that's well, that makes the, a lot
2: of sense because yeah. if you think about like you know if you're at a cocktail party and you meet someone that's kind of talking themselves up and um you, i mean you're gonna see through it in a second it's obvious right? and you're not gonna feel like a connection to that person it, right. you meet someone who's open and honest and you know shows a little vulnerability and um you know, shows that they actually can see things for what they are. You're going to connect with that person just for the fact that they're honest with you Absolutely, and even have more trust in them for that sake. And, um, it's logical in that sense, but when you kind of look at it through the lens of your business, for some reason it is harder to see.
3: And, and I think that the other mistake that people sometimes make is that, you know, like, okay, so you might run into a scientist or something, right. Or, uh, you know, someone who's building a company that's built on hardcore IP. Right. And it and and their perspective might be, oh my God, there's no way I want to share anything about this because won't that give away my business? And it's like, wait a minute, like the the we're talking about a level of human intimacy here, right? And and I think that's exactly what you're getting at. And and if you're even if you're doing something where the information is highly sensitive, your emotions aren't that sensitive. Right. So you can talk about how you feel sort of frustrated that you can't. Reveal like the IP because the lawyers won't let you. Like that's fine, right? As long as it's real, and I think that what you're saying is absolutely true. You know, the the end result of telling a story well is building the trust of people around you, and people are really, really good at sniffing out lack of authenticity, right? And so and and to be honest it's never worth it right like you and and i did this for a long time it was like oh you know we try to build ourselves up and and in doing that now you're setting up expectations that are totally out of line with reality that you're never going to be able to live up to right which doesn't benefit you customers employees or anything else and ultimately if you are able to make that connection if you are able to build that trust that's a relationship that will go way beyond th- that meeting way beyond even your company right like that you know relationships are things that are not transactional they're they're long term and and you're going to see long term benefits from building
0: and is there a point where you have to be careful not to overdo um, the relatable or like the, the founder struggle side of the story beyond branding. Like is there a point when you stop telling that story?
3: I mean yeah. uh, I think there's definitely a way to overdo it, which is if you, if you try to blow that up to be more than it is. Right. Yeah, so, so it's right. The, like if
2: it's that much of a struggle, like why are
3: you doing Right. That kind of right. I mean, it's like, I mean, if it was like, oh my God, I wanted to be able to share photos online and like I was crying and I couldn't sleep for years, and, you know, like, I mean, I don't know, like that, like that <laughs> yeah. doesn't feel real. Right. But, uh, but I, I think that as long as you're being honest and, and you're being human and being personal, right. You're, you're not really going to run into that problem. Um, you know, just because. Even if you have to tell it, I think that the, the, the harder problem for founders as they uh, if you're growing and you end up telling this story to many, many people, the, the, one of the hard things about being a good storyteller, particularly if you're having to pitch tons of investors over the course of years, you know, recruit executive team members over the course of years, uh, talk to press over the course of years, is that that story can start feeling canned to you right? So the person hearing it, it's going to be their first time hearing it. But if it's your 10,000th time telling it, um, it can sort of feel like you're running through a script. And unfortunately for you, You need to get beyond that feeling (laughs) and sort of continually try to rediscover your own enthusiasm for it because you want to think about it from the audience's perspective, right? And just like when you were in high school and you had a teacher who was just running through the curriculum uh, like they had done for 10 prior years and not even really conscious – um, of, of what they were talking about, like that, that immediately gets boring, right? That immediately loses its emotional appeal. And so rediscovering your own enthusiasm is what makes a story contagious.
2: It's like playing Freebird for the 10,000th time. <laughs> the audience <laughs> <Yeah>. loves it. <laughs> exactly,
3: exactly. So think of yourself like a rock star, right? And I, I think that the other, so so this is sort of interesting. So we've talked about Storytelling as a skill or as a craft, as it relates to people outside your company, or even people inside your company, like your employees and keeping them inspired. But there's also a sort of a strategic level to this. Um, uh, you know, Ben Horowitz at Andreessen Horowitz, uh, who built Loudcloud and a bunch of other companies. Uh, you know, he, he's like his perspective. Like he literally has a quote that says, "Your strategy is your story." And that's, I think, really important to keep in mind as a founder and as an executive is that, um, when you're, when you're thinking about what your business is doing in the marketplace, what the relevance is to the world, you need to translate those ideas into narrative, Jeff Bezos actually did a great job, a great example for listeners is is go search on Google for Jeff Bezos' 1997 letter to shareholders. It's like three pages long. It's a few pages long and he, he does a fantastic job summing up the entire strategy of Amazon into a couple pages of extremely concise, extremely impactful narrative. And the important part there is that a strategy is not metrics. A the strategy is not, uh, you know, uh, a, a roadmap of objectives or goals that you're going to hit. A strategy is understanding why you're in business at all. It's understanding why employees should join your company, why they shouldn't leave once they're there. It's understanding why people should invest in you. Um, and And why people should be excited about you and why you 're going to win your market right why you 're important and if you that 's sort of an, an evolving thing it 's something that that can that obviously can change over time, but something you always need to keep present in your mind and if you do, it can really help set the context not just for how your teams execute but also how the world sees you. And and I think that's, you know, that's sort of, that's the heart of this, right? I mean, why is the the little, the heart of Simon Sinek's golden circles, right? So it's like, that's really the, the crux of story and why it's so important for founders.
2: So to kind of circle back and sum up the key points to focus on when you're thinking about your story, um, one, obviously, is authenticity, which should go without saying, but Often doesn't, and the second is to not ignore the obstacles. um, That that's really the interesting part of the story. Are are there any other key things to think about um, that we haven't touched on?
3: Leave out the boring bits. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, stories take practice, right? I mean, this this is it's a craft, it's a skill. So one thing to pay attention to, and I think this can really help in terms of like an actionable thing to pay attention to is. When like, how do you tell a story is good, right? Like if you're the one creating it, how can you tell it's good? Well, the the funny thing is that we actually do tell stories all the time. So the next time you're at happy hour with your friends and you tell a story just from your life, something that happened in your day, pay attention when you see which stories resonate more than others. And when, when I say resonate, I mean like which one gets a real laugh right? Or, or which one, maybe it's not funny. So which stories do people immediately follow up with, with like in-depth questions and want to know more, right? And, and you'll discover very quickly that you actually are telling stories all the time, even though you're not thinking about it. And you'll start to observe in yourself the the aspects that make those stories more interesting to others, you know, thinking about it from the audience's perspective. And so I think that would be, um, you know, that, that would be another uh, important thing to keep in mind. And then in terms of logistics uh, you know, there are some easy things you can avoid like uh, buzzwords, like industry buzzwords or acronyms are almost always a bad idea because if you use them, immediately you are alienating someone who doesn't know what they mean, right? So if, if you know you're talking to someone who definitely knows what they mean because you're in exactly the same industry, that would be the only time I would ever use a buzzword or an acronym because otherwise it, it immediately leaves people out. And, and, that, and when people feel left out, they're, they're going to tune out too. Right, so that that would be another easy one to <laughs> to avoid, um, and then you know the last thing is the last thing is to really think about a story from your audience's perspective, um, and this is something that seems obvious theoretically but is actually not often done in practice and and I often don't do it too. Um, And an easy way to think about this is, again, in your personal life, if you were at like Thanksgiving dinner, you're not going to tell, you might not, I guess it depends on your family dynamic, but you might not tell a sex joke to your grandmother, right? But if you might, I don't know, make a pun. (laughs) And if you're with your college roommate, it will be the opposite, right? Like, you, you make a, a funny linguistic pun, and it's like, are you serious? Um, whereas, you know, telling a sex joke then would be perfect, right? It would really, I don't know, fit the moment or fit the relationship. So we do this automatically in our personal lives, like assess what is actually relevant and important to the people we're talking to. But many people forget to do this in a business setting. And usually, that's because They'll keep, because people spend time preparing a story like a slide deck, right? So maybe it's a sales slide deck, maybe it's a fundraising slide deck, maybe it's something else. So you've spent time prepping this story and you don't actually bother to adjust it based on who you're talking to. And so you want to think about that. Like one easy one to, to, where it can sometimes be surprising, especially for first-time entrepreneurs, is when they're pitching investors – so, many early stage entrepreneurs who haven't worked with te- uh, tech investors before think, you know, if you think about it, it's like, well, what's actually motivating their decision making? Mo- most people would assume it's like projected returns, you know, some kind of like differentiated tech, maybe that the idea is particularly clever. But that's not true. That's not why early stage investors actually write checks. The reason they actually write checks is fear of missing out, right? I mean, talk about an acronym: FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, but early stage investors, you know, you spend all day long getting email pitches and taking coffee meetings with hundreds of entrepreneurs, and your goal is to try to find this elusive needle in a haystack, and. It's really hard to know. It's not it's not obvious. It's not like you really know. Like there aren't there's no financial history to look to. So how can you tell? How can you actually pick? And your biggest fear is that you're going to pass on the next Google or Facebook, right? It's like, "Oh my god, Mark Zuckerberg pitched me and I turned him down." Right? And so every early stage investor sort of has that question sort of hanging out in the dark closet of their psychology during any founder meeting and so because they're worried about missing out on the hottest deal you want to keep that in mind when you're pitching you want to make them feel like if they don't participate they're missing the boat right The, the, the the train is leaving the station whether or not they want to get on it right? And, and how many other investors might be interested and how even without their check, you are going to be successful. Um, cause you know, at the end of the day, the easiest way to raise money is not to need in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that's great.
2: Are there any resources you'd recommend, um, to kind of, there,
3: yeah, there, there are a ton of good resources. Um, uh actually, I, I can send you – if you ch- maybe you guys can throw this in the show notes. There's actually – I wrote a medium guide to this that I think is Perfect. even in uh, Startup Lessons Learned. So, yeah, we'll
2: link to that in the, uh, the page yeah. for this.
3: Yeah, so link to that. Um, there, there, are, there are a lot of good resources out there about storytelling. In fact, one of the things that would be – that I think would be useful for people to check out, uh, one is the Simon Sinek TED Talk. Uh, that I think is called the golden circle or or something Um, really because it focuses on the why, which is the question you're answering. Um, uh, Ben, you're answering with story, Ben Horowitz's book, the hard thing about hard things has a wonderful section on exactly this. Uh, And my guess is he may also have a blog post on the same topic because I think that book is basically a collection of his blog posts. Um, and the other thing that is a little bit uh, off the beaten track is to, to, for, for people to check out – and I don't, unfortunately, I don't have any specific suggestions here because there are just so many um, – but uh, to check out books on screenwriting or on, um, or on the craft of writing stories um, because that, those have some very specific lessons that people can really keep in mind. Um, and probably the screenwriting ones are the best because all Hollywood movies are designed from the outset to try to have mainstream appeal, and so understanding how to think through what mainstream appeal actually means from a demand perspective is something that most entrepreneurs could really uh, learn from. And it's very different. Yeah, it's very different from what you're going to read in like TechCrunch or uh, you know, a VC's blog or something.
2: Right. And that's so important, I think, to kind of step back from this little bubble and just think about human nature a little bit.
3: Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we all are. (laughs) (laughs) Most of us. (laughs) But Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Um, well, this has been great. Um, can you tell everyone where we can keep up with you online and when your third book is coming out?
3: Yeah. So, um, you can you can easily find me at my blog. It's my name, Elliot Pepper, E L I O T P E P E R rcom com. Uh, my third book, Exit Strategy, is coming out in the last week of July. It's the third book in the Uncommon series, which is a tech startup thriller series about a founder who starts a new software company and gets dragged into a whole international conspiracy along the way. Um, and I'm on Twitter. At Elliot Pepper, I'm on Medium, you know, Facebook page, all all the normal places. I think that Rocket Ship left listeners are probably tech savvy enough to Google my name and easily <laughs> easily everything will pop up.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much. Thank
2: you. Thanks, Elliot. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocketship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm.
1: And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today.